Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. Hello. How goes it? Good. Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I'm getting ready to go out of town. Um, this So for listeners who aren't from the South, um, there's a thing called Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Um and it's it always leads up to Easter. I should know this, but I want to Yes, say, because yeah, yeah. that's that's the whole point because you are enjoying excess until Easter, which then is the start of Lent. Yes. When you have to give up everything. Yeah. So that's like the whole point is like indulging partying eating drinking having fun listening to music then you go into it yeah yeah because mm -hmm. the the wrap-up of mardi gras is fat tuesday which is the day before ash wednesday yes yeah so my mom is a queen this year um, wow yeah because a lot of the the people that you see riding in parades are part of mardi gras cruise and it's like a whole like societal thing and so my mom's been on this Mardi Gras crew for, I don't know, probably the whole time she's been living in Natchitoches, which is mm -hmm. in Louisiana. And this year, she's the queen and my stepdad is the king. So they've kind of been waiting until it was like perfect timing for them to be king and queen together. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's fun to be king and queen, but it's also very expensive because like yes. you have to throw all these parties and like, you know give everyone gifts and all this stuff so it's just like it's it's very extravagant mm -hmm. um so we're going in for the mardi gras ball which is kind of like the you know the the final event before the parade mm -hmm. um, so it's like a you know it's a formal ball so we had to go suit shopping and all this stuff mm -hmm. i'm very excited about my suit we found Wesley a really pretty suit so yeah we're gonna go do that this weekend thankfully Holly is babysitting my puppies, <laughs> dog sitting. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been to their Mardi Gras ball before, whenever mm -hmm. they were just on the court, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a lot of fun, and it's you know since it's in Natchitoches, you know, not New Orleans, it's you know more low key and just like you know you'd have to pay me to go to an event in New Orleans at this point. Um, around Mardi Gras so it's just much more manageable you know so it's yeah. getting the fun out of Mardi Gras without having to deal with all the headache so mm -hmm. yeah I feel really lucky that I was able to experience New Orleans uh Mardi Gras in New Orleans from both ends of the spectrum like I went in college with other sorority sisters where we just would fill up our party cups and walk the streets and catch beads and stuff and I also went with 
like a, a more like wealthier friend where her family was part of the cruise in New Orleans. So we got to mm-hmm. go to a, like official Mardi Gras ball. We had like VIP seats for the bigger parade. So we got to see the celebrities. I still have like in a bag, a set of beads that Elijah Wood threw to me. So it's like, I'm, I think I was there the same year. Yeah, probably. I feel like that may have been like, maybe right after college or near when I was about to graduate. I don't know. Yeah, because I was, I got a hookup with Bacchus going to the Bacchus ball. Mm-hmm. One year, and I think it was the year that Elijah Wood was there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and both were really fun. Like I like, you know, just going with it and hitting the streets with people, but also like getting dressed up was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's like doing it now. Like I can't, I can't imagine doing it now, but it's one of those experiences like you're not going to get. Mardi Gras in general, I feel like is an experience like you're not going to get uh if, if you don't live somewhere that celebrates it like it's kind of hard I feel like it's hard to understand it is it is I was <laughs> I was going to bring my stuff to get tailored <laughs> last weekend and you know my tailor we've become friends at this point um and she was like what what's the event you know and like she's she's you know very Asian so like we kind of have like you know trouble communicating sometimes and I was trying to explain to her what Mardi Gras was and I was like honestly I don't know how to explain to you I was like I'm sorry like <laughs> it's just debauchery at this point I don't know. Yeah, yeah yeah like it's really just celebrating in excess yeah yeah so that when lit comes around right you fun yeah yeah but I'm glad I experienced the New Orleans stuff earlier in my life and mm-hmm. um, and can now still enjoy it, but just more on a low key level. So it'll yeah, be looking it'll be a lot of fun. I we're coming up, you know, at the end of January, like first month of 2024. I think this when this comes out, when will it be? January 30th. So I'm kind of like already reflecting on like, you know, how my goals are going, that type of thing. And one thing for me, it's not like a set in concrete goal but basically I had sort of a general goal of like saving more money this year I'm trying to kind of clean up my finances after having you know last year only had my job for half a year and whatever you know I I'm grateful for surviving that and like now I'm just trying to clean up clean up and so one thing that I'm kind of doing is like I started looking up information about doing like no spin challenge have you seen like when people talk about doing like a no spin challenge no but I'm intrigued yeah so basically I saw like a lot of it I'm on Pinterest a lot and like you know I get ideas for the shop the Etsy shop and stuff and basically if someone does a no spin challenge they're telling them they're setting up boundaries financial boundaries where you obviously have to spend money like on your mortgage, your rent, groceries, things you have to spend money on, but you agree not to spend money outside of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So some people may just do it for a day. Some people may just do it for a weekend, but a lot of people do it for a whole month. And so I'm honestly pretty much trying to do it for the whole year (laughs) Um, as much as I can. And it's, for me, it's both financial And it's also just trying to change my mindset around making purchases because I realized last year that pretty much I think since the pandemic, I have used shopping as like a way to 
feel joy, temporary joy, and then mm-hmm. it results in guilt because then I don't, I feel like my money is tight or maybe my credit card debt is too high or whatever. So I also noticed when I, I don't think I mentioned it because I don't know if we were recording at the time, but I went through this process of like kind of deep cleaning my apartment in the fall and like reorganizing things. And I bought some furniture and just was trying to freshen up the place. And in doing that, I realized that I had like a lot of particularly beauty products. I organized all my beauty products and I found that I have possibly 20 bottles of face wash. Um, oh my God. I have like 10 jars of body scrub. And part of this was I use these items, but I probably bought them because they were on sale, new or like double points at Ulta. And I, I felt like I had to have them. Like, this is what has become of me. Like I am a marketing emails dream because whenever they send out an email saying something is on sale, I am going shopping. And so I went into this year being like, I can't do that. And I unsubscribed from emails and took inventory of what I have. I just want to make it clear. It's not saying you're not going to spend any money. Like for me, like once I run out of my eight jars of body scrub, I can buy another one, but I can't buy another one until I run out. So I took inventory of like everything I have. And then I went into January just being like, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm not going to, I'm calling it mindfully spending instead of saying like no spend, but like, it's pretty much the same thing. So I have a little checklist and every day I have a note to myself every single day, mindfully spend question mark. And so I can tell myself, did I do that today? And like, we're coming up on the end of the month and I'm going to be fully transparent with you. We're at a spot where normally at the month I would be like, okay, when's payday? Because I need my check. Yeah. This month there's about $900 in my, my account that I did not spend because I've not spent money. Yeah. That's wild. And like, now I get to put that toward my credit card debt in my savings Mm -hmm. account, whatever. And it's crazy because I've caught myself a few times, like, Oh, I need to look at Ulta and like buy that. And then I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) And it's crazy because you just catch yourself changing your mind and realizing that it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to not buy something because it's on sale when you already have something similar at home or whatever. And it's so funny because I thought I would end this month feeling like I missed out on stuff, but instead I feel so empowered that like I have money in my account that I can use for whatever I want. And like, I didn't miss out on anything. Like I have all the same shit you know? And so now we're going to go into February and I'm going to do it again. (laughs) That's awesome. No, that's great. That kind of inspires me to do the same. So if it inspires anybody, but yeah, you can start with like a weekend if that's your thing. If you just Google, like I did make a list for the Etsy shop, like a no spend, like it's like ideas of what you can do. But literally if you're on Pinterest, you can type in no spend and you can find like lists of just like ideas if you're someone that, because I feel like families especially feel like they always have to be out and about and doing mm-hmm. things. And it's like, yeah, there's all kind of stuff you can do. But like, I'm like, if you are somebody that has books in your home or TV to watch or whatever, like you can survive without spending spending money on stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, totally. 
That's cool. Well, congratulations. <laughs> One month into my no spin 2024. There you go. Hey, that's a good start. One very positive thing that happened for me this week, which is kind of an update to a previous update. Um, I don't remember when it was at this point, but I've been having to give blood for health reasons because I'm on testosterone, which increases your red blood cell count. So you like a lot of times people on testosterone have to do therapeutic blood draws to like just keep their blood under control because if your blood count gets too high, it can cause like clots and like um serious like medical conditions, you know. So it's like I had to give blood, but I couldn't because I was gay, you know, because gay men and other groups have been historically banned from giving blood for a very long time and there's been like a lot of changes over the years and finally some legislation went through where if essentially if you're monogamous and gay and not on hiv prevention medicine you can now give blood and whenever i went in last time to go do it i didn't realize i had to like jump through hoops still to like get approved because i had been like already banned in the system so I did what I was supposed to do and they told me I was approved. Um, so like I went in, I guess Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday to give blood. And I was just like hoping that I wasn't going to run into any issues and it was smooth sailing. And it was so sweet because like the, the girl that did my vitals, like, I think they made a note in my, in my chart or something. Cause I'd sent like a pretty nasty email being like, you know, I was treated like shit. You need to do some sensitivity training around this so that <laughs> yeah, people don't feel like they're, you know, being othered. And because that was just, it was just a very bad situation before. Um, and so she, she kind of asked like, you know, what happened last time? So I gave her like the, the breast story and she was like, so this is your first time actually being able to donate blood? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I'm so excited for you. And I was like, it, it was just like a very sweet, positive experience. Like, That's nice. Yeah. Cause I was like, the the first time I went in thinking it was going to be the first time I was going to donate blood, I was like feeling that excitement. And this yeah. was just like, kind of like on the edge, like, are they going to give me an issue or not? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I wasn't able to like fully enjoy it until like, she like you know got excited with me because she's been annoyed about the regulations too because like I'd imagine a lot of people that work there are annoyed about just the bullshit red tape you know but they have to do what the law says mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it ended up being a very positive experience and I gave blood for the first time um, and I'll finally be able to know what the hell my blood uh type is because I don't know what it is Um, oh okay because a lot of times when if you get blood they tell you where your blood type is and no doctors or anything have ever told me what it is so i need to go check my account to see if they've updated it wow yeah yeah so i'm excited to be a blood donor you know i've always wanted to for like over the past decade so does that mean like but can you still donate your organs like is that available to you on your license yeah, I guess they didn't care if you were gay whenever you're donating your organ. <laughs> I've always been an organ donor. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I've always been an organ donor. That was never a question. Well, hopefully, I mean, this is just one step forward because I still think it's a little bit ridiculous that you have to be monogamous. Yes, they had a lot of questions about like, and it wasn't, it, it's actually 
I'm curious to see how this plays out because like the monogamy questions aren't just for gay people it's for everyone okay well that's a little more fair because that was my right. first feeling was like why is it because you know there's many exactly. uh, heterosexuals yeah. out here slinging it around and they're giving blood yes so it asks questions like you know have you had sexual intercourse or you know whatever it asks in the past three months with more than one person you know yes or no okay have you had sex with a new person in the past three months so it asks like you know things like all kinds mm-hmm. of all kinds of questions so it does go into more detail which is like i mean i don't know how it works i know they test the blood so who knows but at least there's like a more accurate risk assessment now than it's just like are you gay and have sex with men oh you can't get right you know? oh that's so strange i mean yeah we all know it's not about that yeah but a lot of like people in the lgbtq plus community are still banned from giving blood because they're trying to like protect themselves from hiv so they're taking right. prep and things like that and if you're on those kind of medications you can't give blood you know so it's like yeah it's still like, yeah you know, yeah so but i was able to so i feel very grateful um and it is a privilege that i'm able to because you know thankfully i haven't had you know i haven't had any issues with hiv and that's just by luck you know yeah um, and you know i am in a monogamous married relationship so mm-hmm. I'm in a unique situation that a lot of gay men aren't in you know so yeah yeah well i'm glad your blood is no longer going in the trash me too because somebody's gonna benefit from it yeah because yeah. that yeah. is ridiculous yeah yeah so good our guest this week we had a really good interview very interesting interview with amanda hanlon um of hanlon law so yeah this is our first time technically interviewing a lawyer although we did interview a lawyer previously chelsea with intuitive business mentor which was on season one i believe yes um yeah Uh, but amanda is a practicing lawyer Mm -hmm. and it was just really interesting because she focuses on small businesses which obviously is in alignment with what we do so a lot of people listening um i mean i would send you to amanda because she very clearly knows like all the ins and outs of the small business law like i I'm sure I'm going to use her, you know, at some point in the near future, Mm -hmm. Um, because like, I kind of wish that I would have started there. You know, I went with like what legal zoom, legal zoom is what I did. And like, it's just not the same thing. I I wish I would have like had Amanda set off all my business stuff and paid a little bit of extra just to know that it was all like fine tuned. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting conversation with Amanda just to hear all the legalese of, you know, what it's like running small businesses. And she also does a lot of pro bono work with nonprofits as well. So yeah, she focuses on the LGBTQ community, which, um, you know, not to like enter like the wormhole of doom and gloom, but like, just a reminder, we are in an election year and Mm. I think there's, we talked with her a lot about even just personal, like a marriage license, things that may be going awry after November of this year. So it's really nice to like, even if you don't need services now, um, 
she, she could be someone to talk to to make sure you're set up and and I feel like even with the business stuff like I'm pretty sure she says it like you don't know what you don't know so just going to her and being like hey do I have all my ducks in a row here like already would be putting you ahead of the game I feel yeah yeah I forgot about the LGBT stuff um yeah you know, that was one of the reasons I got married was for protection because <laughs> my husband's family aren't accepting so it's like we had to mm-hmm. yeah I had to make sure that I had my rights in the relationship if something happens you know yeah uh, but yeah that could that could change you know we saw Roe v Wade overturned which we never thought would happen yeah. Um, so yeah shit can happen so it's it's better to protect yourself unfortunately in this free country um <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, take another sip of that wine, Derek. <laughs> anyway, it, it is a very enlightening conversation with Amanda, and she even tuned in from Mexico City. So we are we are very appreciative um, yes. of her taking the time to talk to us while she was. I think she's it was her girlfriend that lives in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was visiting her girlfriend at the time. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, y'all enjoy. It. It's an awesome conversation. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. There you are. Hey, how are you? Good. I was trying to unmute myself and put my video on. You're good. Zoom is always fun, right? Yeah. I like your background, though. Those are pretty paintings. Thanks. It's uh, it's not mine. Okay. I'm in New Mexico right now. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for hopping on to Mexico. <laughs> oh my gosh! What do you uh, vacation? I'm assuming, yeah. Um, yeah, my girlfriend lives here, so I'm visiting. Really? Fun. But that's like real long distance. Yeah. <laughs> I spend a lot of time here, so it's okay. That's awesome. Where in Mexico are you? Mexico City. Cool. I've only been to Cabo, and that doesn't count, so. <laughs> <laughs> you probably love Mexico City. I'm sure. I mean, I've heard good things, and it just like, you know, you see like, you know, the Day of the Dead stuff and all the, the festivals and things like that um and mexico city's huge like what is the population there i know it's a lot oh my God. i don't even know because it's like so much is included that's not included it's right. like close to 700 square miles wow what so wow yeah, yeah it's gotta be bigger than like singapore it's huge that's insane that's wow. wild cool wow are you drinking a margarita since you're in mexico i am not i'm having a coffee a I coffee forgot, i thought we were i forgot we were supposed to be drinking <laughs> do you need to go make a drink we can wait no that's okay I'll, I'll stick to my coffee okay um, where are you guys we're in austin okay cool yeah yeah um i mean technically i live in mainer so if we want to you know be real about it but holly's in austin proper yeah nice nice yeah um well yeah thanks for hopping on i'm Derek. um obviously i spammed you an email thanks for responding um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I I own Yoga for All Humans, so I've been trying to grow that for the past couple of years, and it was cool. Like you know, I, I discovered Do Five One Two, I guess a few months ago. Like I don't get out much, so and I've been in Austin for about two years now, and I just randomly found it because someone like posted one of the yoga classes, uh, the free classes I was teaching, on there, and I was like, oh, this is a cool thing, and I started digging around, and I was like, LGBT businesses, that's neat. Like that's very cool that they highlight that. Um, so yeah, that's how I found you. So it's it's nice to meet you. Yeah, I um, 
I have been getting a lot of interaction with the community through that listing, really. Yeah, yeah that's that's good to hear. I asked them to add me, so hopefully they do. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it, it is good. I mean, you know, we all like to stick together, so. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to. And Holly's an ally, so Holly, you can introduce yourself. Yeah, my name's Holly, and I'm a writer, and yeah, me and Derek are friends, but obviously we do this podcast together so this is going to be the um this is our first interview for season three so um i'm not sure what to expect with the podcast but i figured you guys you guys know what to expect we know we know yeah so like the theme is you know small business happy hour we drink with our guests but it's okay if you're not we've had (laughs) um sober guests on and you know, just people that didn't feel like it for whatever reason that day, you know. Um, but yeah, our, our whole goal is to uplift small businesses. You know, I'm a small business owner. Holly has always supported small businesses. She has an Etsy shop. She's a writer. So I consider her an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, how it all came about is we were, you know, hanging out one night, kind of just like, you know, chilling. Holly kind of wanted to have like a, you know, career collaboration just like an idea evening you know and we were kind of talking about you know things that we could do and I came up with the idea of why don't we do a podcast and Holly's like what the hell will we do a podcast about (laughs) and I was like well we always bitch about like like I bitch a lot about like you know friends and family not supporting my business and like you know in general small businesses are getting overlooked because you know, these corporate conglomerates keep growing and growing. I'm sure you feel that in the legal space, you know, because there's these huge law firms and you're, you know, an individual lawyer. Um, and so we were like, well, we could have fun. We could talk to people that are doing good, you know, for the world. And if we can be one small drop in the bucket of uplifting people that are out there doing good, those that are underrepresented, you know, like we can have fun while we're doing it. So why not, you know? So that's kind of how all this came about. Cool. Well, I'm glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah so it's I'm casual. It's casual. We don't have any scary questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just ask you questions and let you talk, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I did a bit of research, you know, on your website and on your Instagram ahead of time to kind of get a feel for who you are. So I'm excited to. Locked out of my Instagram. So. <laughs> it's one of my one of my hardest things as like an entrepreneur it's it's hard I mean you have to do so many things you know like I feel your pain I have to like coming up with content you know and like at least like with the yoga studio like I can do like you know yoga poses and stuff but I would imagine (laughs) coming up with content for you is would be very challenging you know a lot of like dropbox images right right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gay couple getting married. <laughs> I did like the aesthetic of your Instagram though. It was it was very pretty. Gay people having child. <laughs> target target audience. There you go. There you go. You know, since this is a small business podcast, a lot of the questions will be kind of geared towards like, you know, the work that you do with small businesses, but before we dig into that, I would just love to kind of hear, you know, your story. You know, I, it sounds like you have a pretty cool story from what I've read 
online um, how you got into law and and what your passion is yeah so I actually got into law um because I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur um my father was an entrepreneur and I grew up in a couple of family businesses and then I went to start one when I was like 24 and the lawyer just kept giving me the runaround I couldn't get anything done so I was like, if I just become a lawyer, then I can just do this as a living as kind of like a fallback and then do my own businesses on the side. Mm-hmm. We're not on the side, but just whatever I wanted to launch, I could launch without the overhead. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, so I've actually helped a couple other people start law firms. My sister right now is in law school. And part of our agreement is that I'll help her start her own law firm. And I've kind of created a system Cause I found in the space too, there was nowhere, everything in law was geared towards corporate law. Like if you mm-hmm. wanted to make money, you had to be in corporate law and you had to do the rat race and you had to make a certain GPA and have all these connections. Yeah. So I kind of, mod- so I modeled mine kind of a, more of a, like a millennial type generation of a virtual law firm. You know, most things are, you know, if you have to go into court, that becomes more difficult. So I modeled mine of, you know, I don't litigate. Um, I can file online and I can do all of my stuff virtually. So from there, I've been able to kind of be like a nomadic attorney, but I have offices. Yeah. That's so cool. Really and cool. I didn't even think about it being like an on, like a digital lawyer. Like, that's great. You know, cause you think of like legal zooms and stuff like that, which that's kind of <laughs> a question further down. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, I just never thought about an individual lawyer, just like, because I've kind of set my life up to be virtual, you know, I obviously, the studio is virtual, and like, I work, you know, remote, you know, I've kind of set my life up remote, because my husband kind of moves us around every few years, basically, for his job, so six years ago, I kind of set my whole life up to be remote, so I can move around, and then just makes life a lot easier and for travel, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. It, it really worked out well. I started before the pandemic, but then during the pandemic, everyone got really used to going virtual. So I found yeah. people prefer, prefer it. And then people, you know, that are in the younger generation definitely prefer, prefer it. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, almost e- it's almost easier for everyone when someone can hop on a zoom call during their lunch break, meet with their attorney and then I can get everything to them virtually. Yeah, so. makes total sense. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been good. And then I started, a, and then I have another company I started that was, um, I got my real estate license and started a real estate services company, started investing. And then I kind of married the two, like a combination. So like for law clients, I'll do real estate services and give different discounts for the two. Um, and then they get free legal services for the transaction up to litigation. So if they have disputes with builders or potential sellers or buyers, stuff like mm. that. Okay. So that actually, and also during like the giant boom in Austin, that became like a very good value because there were so many people trying to steal money and just doing crazy stuff. So being able to pull out the attorney card really like it helped a lot of people being on it. Wow. Like, steal money like in real estate yeah I mean because people were just marketing homes as is that were they knew were bad or they were hiding things and then they you know were giving crazy amounts of escrow money 
and then they would try to get out of the deal or, you know, they, they would not answer you until your option expired and just tactics that, you know, are either illegal or borderline illegal. So it helped to just say like, Hey, I'm an attorney. Like we're just going to file a lawsuit. And then it's like, you'd get the money back. <laughs> that I didn't even know that. I don't, I, ne I never even thought of like the legal side of all of that. That's so interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, it got, it got messy. And then also I, because I'm an attorney, I can change the standard real estate contracts, not completely change them, but I can write in provisions and things. Mm -hmm. which really so like that got, that made deals a lot easier to do. They kind of, those two kind of went hand in hand and kind of took off. Yeah, that's genius. It's like wow. you come from a family of entrepreneurs or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I love that. So that's a good segue into the services you provide for small businesses. I would, I would love to hear that because as a, you know, small business owner, I've been in it for about two years, but like there's no handbook for what to do, you know, so like. I had to figure it all out, you know, and there was, it was just very complicated. I did a lot of it myself. I used LegalZoom to like file my LLC and like they're my registered agent and all that fun stuff. But I would just love to hear, you know, kind of how you would walk through, you know, with it with a new client for that's opening up a small business. Uh, for small business clients specifically? Um, I mean, it's small business podcast. So I think... Um, that makes the most sense, but whatever you feel like talking about. Yeah. So I do, um, yeah, I do business formations. I do any kind of like articles of incorporation, business agreements between partnerships, LLC formations, S Corp, C Corp, nonprofit. Um, and then if you need like shareholder agreements, things like that, um, that's, you know, very common in the tech space here in Austin, getting investors. And then I walk the client through, so I walk the client through all of those contracts and the legal formations, and then whatever tax selections are appropriate, I help them file. Um, I give light guidance on the tax stuff, but it's always changing. So it's always good to get a CPA. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So just the initial filings. Um, yeah. And then I do kind of an in-house role for some clients as well, where I'm just kind of retained as an on-call in-house counsel if anything arises i've had clients that are international um hiring international employees and payrolls and the vat tax that was atrocious um stuff like that so basically i do an umbrella of work for small businesses yeah so it's I'm kind of almost like a independent contractor in-house counsel for the smaller businesses who don't want to hire you know someone in law full-time you know, they just get billed an hourly. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Especially with small businesses, you're getting contracts in and out that, you know, some you can probably handle yourself and then some you need a second opinion. And then sometimes there's like a crazy insurance claim that arises and I can handle all of that. Okay. Yeah. I wish like, you know, whenever I started the small business, the, the studio, like, like I said, I didn't know what to do. And like, I was like, I don't know where to start. And then the only thing I knew was legal Zoom. So I was like, I don't know, I'll pay them to figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. in hindsight, I would have loved to have partnered with, you know, a, a small business lawyer, you know, that would have made a lot more sense. Um, okay. So one of the questions I had was like with, with legal Zoom, one mm -hmm. of the like 
ways to get you is like you have to have a registered agent in the state of texas right are you are you like can you be a registered agent i don't even know how that works um i think i can but i usually if the client can also be their own registered agent you can oh, also really? yeah you can also open up a satellite office and there's other companies that do it i think with the tech ai space trying to replace lawyers will be impossible Mm -hmm. um you know especially because the united states has 50 different states so we have you yeah. know federal law versus state law then we have county and city law and so there's just all these different things that it you know i'm sure i haven't looked in a legal zoom but i'm sure they have disclaimers against the fact that they're liable you know mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. yeah for for the amount of money in the cost analysis difference like having a a person that's going to give you attention and actually make sure that you're doing things legally, I think is invaluable. Um, yeah. And I see that a lot. Like I see people that use it. I do like estate planning and I'll see people create a will or a trust, but they don't fund it correctly or they don't execute it correctly. So it's pretty worthless. It's absolutely worthless really. Um, or they'll form an LLC with someone, but not have a correct partnership executed correctly and all these things. And it's like, and also like legal services for small businesses are a tax write-off. So the startup costs, you know, a few thousand dollars in startup costs to make sure that everything's solid legally for the life of the company, in my opinion, is super worth it. So that way you're doing your tax elections correctly, because that will save you money in the end and, you know, all of those things. But yeah, so those companies, I think they're kind of selling you legal fee, legal services, but they're not always correct. And so I end up I get them afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and then yeah. I have to be the bearer of bad news. It's like, hey, you haven't had a valid will for seven years. Yeah. Uh, you have to completely redo this. Wow. Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. I figured that was going to be the answer. Um, but you just feel <laughs> lost, you know? And that's that was one of the reasons why right. I wanted to, ha to have you on the podcast because, you know, we have entrepreneurs that listen and it's just nice to you know, have a, a, a source to go to, you know, because whenever you're starting a new business, you just, and, and if you don't know, you know, like you said, you came from a family of entrepreneurs, maybe that gave you an upper hand. And then you went to law school and like figured it all out. But like, you know, I was just flailing. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And like, one of the biggest things too, is like, people don't want to pay for legal fees. And then, you know, I'm always cleaning up the mess. So I've seen the craziest stuff. Like I've seen uh, business partners lock their business partner out of all the accounts, take all the money and just skip out town. And they don't have any documents even staying, saying they were partners. So it's like, legally, there's not much I can do. And I'm just like, you know, you could have just spent a couple thousand dollars at the beginning and this would have all been clear and this person wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah so you get all that kind of stuff. What are some of the biggest challenges? We've kind of already talked to about this a little bit, but whenever people come to you, they're starting a small business. Like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see? Like, is there a good starting place or like maybe a biggest myth of like what people should do, if that makes sense? I mean, I think that people don't realize how much legal is involved. Mm, yeah in everything because we have like state agencies that control I get a lot of people that are opening up like um, medical leading things like med spas or emergency rooms stuff like that and it's like 
things in like healthcare and stuff like that are going to have agencies control them as well as like, you know, federal law and city law and all these other things. And then they have like, you know, the agencies that govern. And I think that is probably the biggest thing. So I would suggest if you're, whatever the business is, is like consult with an attorney just to see what that is and what the overhead is. Cause sometimes that will be the difference between opening that business or not. Yeah, that's very true. I had one that wanted to open up like a mobile medical service. Of, I can't really specify, but medical service. And I was like, you do not understand how much regulation is going to go into that. Like people coming to it every day. Like, it's just a lot. I don't know about every day, but like, you know what I mean? You have to get certifications, all this stuff. I'm just curious, um, like having, if you worked with, businesses like internationally which it sounds like you have but do you, is is american are american businesses like do they see more legal requirements than other countries or is it the same it's kind of a loaded question because it depends on the country mm-hmm. but in general i would say we have way more regulation yeah that's that's that would be my impression like i always just assume that there seems like there's so much legal stuff in america versus other countries Oh yeah. Well, we have a completely different legal system than most countries. And then we have a tort system, which is like, you know, like slipping and falling into like a Walmart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole system of law does not, does not exist in like, I think, I don't think it exists in any other countries really. Really? I'm not yes. sure about every other country, but yeah. So we have what's called minimum contact. So it's like, we have these like crazy law school prompts of like Americans are on a plane and they like land or they get crashed in Europe, but they want to sue and like, who do they sue? And it's like, you want to have a contact with the United States to be able to do a certain type of law. So that's why we have such a crazy legal system is because we have crazy leniency and crazy regulations and yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. That's actually why I asked because it's not something I would have ever thought of, but I went to Iceland last year and my friend and I went on a, um, like a a glacier hike, I guess, um, in like one of their glacier caves. And I was like, you know, we didn't, um, we signed a little something, but it was super simple. And our guide didn't have like a first aid kit or it, it was so casual. It was just like, okay, we're going to walk 30 minutes. It was a blizzard. <laughs> like, then we're going to get on this glacier. And I was like, I, it was fine. But when we got back, I asked my friend, I'm like, wasn't that like so casual to you? Like he didn't even have a plan for like, if something happened. And she was like, well, yeah, we're not in the, we're not in the United States where everybody is like so crazy. And I was like, huh, never thought yeah. about it. <laughs> it's because they can't be so crazy. Yeah. Most other systems are just like what we call assumed risk. So it's just like you're hiking on a glacier. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? Like, yeah, you feel that <laughs> you think would happen. Like, you can't sue the tour guide, right. you know. Which I think in Texas we understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm. I also like with the re, like the recession, like incoming and the, the economy the way it is. I'm seeing a lot more of that, of people trying to sue other people and get money any way they can. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. I wouldn't have even thought of that either. Um, yeah, which is more of a reason for small businesses to protect themselves. Yeah. Just yeah, because you could easily get screwed over. Yeah, it's just like, that's the main thing I see working with small businesses and even myself is, and in real estate too, is like, you just don't think 
these stories are real, like, and they won't happen to you. Like your business partner is not going to just like lock you out of your accounts and leave the state. And then it happens. Uh And it's way more common than people think people suing other people. I mean, people will sue over anything. Yeah. Hot coffee at McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like they always win. I mean, I guess that those are probably just the ones we hear about, but I'm like, yeah. Oh man. On your website, you have, um, you talk about the pro bono work that you do. So I'm curious about if you'll share like why that's important to you and, and what kind of what you're working on now. Um, so I've kind of shifted my focus to doing more pro bono work for, uh, LGBT community. Oh, so yeah. So what I've been doing there is just doing either just like super discounting, discounted kind of scrolling scale, um, name and gender changes. And then, and then also pro bono as well. And then I just do some like light pro bono work on the side. If you're LGBT. Mm-hmm. So how, <laughs> how difficult is, uh, like the name and gender change? Um, it is pretty, so there's a lot of stuff with venue in Texas, depending on the judge who will oversee it. Sorry, my cat. I shifted my focus into that because, so it depends on the judge. So there's a lot of venue and we have a close community. Uh, well, it's not closed actually, but it's an LGBT law section in Texas. So I've leaned on the support of other, uh, lawyers that are kind of in the field or are trans to kind of figure out how to do the name gender changes I found. So I went to law school and I graduated in 2018, started the firm in 2019. At the time, the trans movement, I feel it was like really just getting started. I was in Oregon, so it was more started. So we had more education on it, but I mean, essentially in layman's terms is like, no one really knew where to file it, you know, because it's like family law, but it's not, but then it's like, there's also all these other steps when you, when you do it, whether you're trans or not, you have to prove that you were not a felon and all these other things that you're not doing it to hide, you know, your identity, what, how difficult it is, is going to depend on the county and who the judge is. Okay. In Travis County, it is a lot easier, but yeah. So that's part of what I do though, is advise people on how and where, and I have a lot of resources for it. So I kind of changed into that because with the way the politics are going right now, I'm like, you know, I'm even like, I'm at, <laughs> I'm like at the gay bars telling people like, have you changed, have you changed it legally yet? Like on your license? Cause you probably mm. should because yeah, yeah. I don't it's- know what's going to happen, but I'm like a little bit nervous about it. So I just feel like if people can do the legal stuff first, if anything happens, then they have it solidified. Yeah. I, I um, am a poll volunteer. And so I always worry about that. Like, are they going to put pull like a fast one where it's like, there is like a thing where a little form you fill out, like if your name doesn't match or whatever, but which is super simple and no one would get turned away for that. But it's always just like one of those things, like where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like. Exactly. And I've also found like from like the first um, trans person I did it for, she was saying she had fully transitioned like way before and she was like it's just so hard to go to the airport she's like think about it when I'm in Austin and then I get somewhere and then I'm terrified and so it's I found it really fulfilling to do because it's something that it was a learning curve at first and then now that I know how to do it 
it's like life-changing for the person yeah yeah I feel like it's one of those things you probably don't think about that much because I mean how often do you use your ID or whatever but when you do have to use it it's like oh man it's you know it can be a lot I have a I have a family friend that wanted to change her name and I she lives in Indiana um and I know she had to like go to a judge and like explain why she wanted to change her name and she got it but she did say it was like a pain in the ass so some counties require that hearing and some of them kind of waive it yeah things because I mean that's kind of in my opinion I get why they used to do it but then it's also like it's so embarrassing for the person I feel like at least I would be very embarrassed in that position well it's definitely a a barrier you know yeah it's a barrier it's not a fun place to be it's like very exposing Mm -hmm. to talk about something so sensitive and personal so yeah they don't make it easy but there are easier than others yeah but yeah I think you're right anyone that needs um name or gender change you heard you heard it here get it done now (laughs) (laughs) I mean Amanda will help you. (laughs) It yeah. Don't. We don't know what's going to happen in Texas. We don't know. I feel Um, like dim. So. Yeah. How long have you been in Austin, Amanda? I moved into Austin in 2014. Okay. Um, I left for two and a half years for law school, and then I went to Portland, Oregon. I graduated early and came back. Came back immediately. Cool. Holly, you've been here, what, eight or nine years? Eight years, yeah. Eight years, yeah. I'm almost like seven, I think, altogether. Yeah. I was back and forth a lot, so it feels like I didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I saw that you have like a nonprofit package, which of course, you know, tickles our heartstrings because um, we've interviewed a few nonprofits. So I was curious to hear about... Um, the nonprofit package. And then I noticed that you donate um, part of those proceeds to Austin Pets Alive, mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't heard of Austin Pets Alive yet. So really, yeah. well, we adopted our pets, but we had them whenever we came, you know, so. Okay. Uh, so how long have you been in Austin? About two years. Okay. That's yeah. such an awesome thing. I feel like if you haven't gotten a pet from Austin Pets Alive, you haven't been in Austin long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, our pets have been been healthy for the past couple of years. Yeah. I feel like the pets at Austin Pets Alive always have like the best names. Like I always will go on the website and like look at their names. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing you can say about people in Austin. You know, we have a sense <laughs> of humor. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, the nonprofit package is basically just like kind of like a discount of my fees to give a total easy, seamless package for someone who's, or multiple people that are doing a nonprofit, a nonprofit. And then, yeah, I donate a portion to Awesome Pets Live. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it's everything they need to get started. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's probably also not easy, you know, but imagine that starting a nonprofit. I mean, there are a lot of hoops you have to go through to like prove that like you are a nonprofit, you know, right? Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of government. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's pretty, I mean, from my angle, it's pretty straightforward. I think it benefits the client though, because if they go through an AI or something, mm-hmm. it's usually like we talked about, 
it's not the full thing and then they can incur fees and other things down the road especially if it's not done correctly yeah 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 Yeah. which is frustrating because nonprofits are you know trying to do a good thing so god forbid Uh, the government (laughs) always in the background we gotta love them yeah waiting for you to mess up (laughs) what is your cat's name this is jacques Jacques. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> so oh cute. my gosh. I mean, he is really regal looking. Yes. Oh my god, he's so big. <laughs> the blue, like, oh my gosh. I have a long hair cat and that her back feet, I'm just like, I want to live like in there. Yeah. <laughs> they oh, are so floofy. Yes. The, <laughs> the hair that comes out like in between the toes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. <laughs> I think cat people understand that. I know. <laughs> I have a cat as well. I have two dogs and a cat. Yeah. I have two cats and a dog. Okay. Yeah. I, he's a black cat. We haven't, I don't know what his, you know, whatever his um, type of cat is, species, breed, I guess is what the, the word of it. <laughs> um, he's like your stereotypical black cat, but he's beautiful. His name is Neil Catracaris. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Holly's best friend. We were curious, um, since you work with queer couples, do you have a favorite love story from clients that you could share with us? Um, I I don't, but I have a lot of messy ones that I cannot speak on. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> drama. Do, uh, prenuptial agreements. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I saw that you had prenuptials, which... I never really thought about going into my marriage, which like we had, we didn't have a lot of our names. I bet prenups are pretty complicated though, I would imagine. Well, we in Texas, we are a common law state. So there's only a few common law states in the country. California and Texas are two of them. I think there, I think it's seven. It might be five or seven. Don't quote me on that. This is not legal advice. <laughs> um, but common law basically means that everything during the marriage that you make is 50 50. Okay. So that's down to rental income, retirement funds, your income, everything. So basically the, what most couples want is to say, I had this house going in, she had this going in. We want to keep our income and retirement separate unless we explicitly agree that we're doing something together, which is just like common sense. It's not like yeah like, prenups aren't sexy but you get into that and then you get into like inheritance inheritance is separate but it can be commingled but so basically it's a dissolution agreement of the of the marriage it kind of protects from a lengthy litigation of divorce when someone can go back and say well i want to trace back your 401k for the 12 years we were together so it's really important in the state of texas So I don't know where you came from, Derek, but maybe it wasn't common law, so it wasn't as talked about there. So does it depend on where you get married? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because I'm from Louisiana, which is a common law state, but we got married in Iowa. Because we lived in Iowa for a few years. I mean, I don't know Iowa law, so I don't know if it... 
This is now we're getting really into the trenches. But here. it's like wherever your marriage <laughs> license was. I don't know because it depends. I don't know if he filed it in Iowa or Louisiana, and then if I don't know if we filed it in Iowa because we were residential residents of Iowa at the time for a few years. So then, yeah, I don't know if it's. It would probably be based on your residency. Hmm. To be honest with you, it I doesn't don't come know. to it. Family law, so I'm not 100 sure if now you're under. The- <laughs> well, I exhausted my 401k to start the business, so he didn't have, <laughs> he didn't have much to claim. So <laughs> I don't have much my name. I'm not that worried about it right now. <laughs> oh my god! You can call me after the podcast if you need. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious how how you usually find clients. Is it word of mouth or I know we were talking about Instagram earlier, but like, how do you market your business? So I do marketing, like I do a lot of, this is like good for small businesses. It's just mm-hmm. like the standard free marketing is where I started, which was like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Yelp, uh, Google business, um, I've done some SEO and um, any kind of free page, LGBT networks, that sort of thing. And then word of mouth. Um, And then I work for several legal insurances. Yeah. So there's one called Texas Legal. I don't, I don't think either ones I work for, like I partner with them and then they send me clients through them. I'm not sure if they cover business, anything income producing, but it's essentially like insurance, almost like a medical insurance. So if you have it and you get like a DUI, you can contact a DUI attorney and they'll cover majority of the fees. Interesting. Um, Yeah. They also cover like prenups, estate planning, that kind of stuff. And so from those networks, you know, then, I mean, the first couple years are hard to find clients. And then once it starts to snowball and then the marriage between the real estate too, then I got more contacts through that. And then I was able to market through both of those channels for both of the businesses. And then I get a lot of returning clients and then their friends, you know what I mean? Because it's hard to find a trustworthy attorney is what I found. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Especially since you do so many different things, I feel like you could help someone essentially throughout like their whole adult life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because I get clients like that where they just don't know what to do. And I'm like, this isn't like, I'm just like helping you buy a car. Like this isn't legal. (laughs) He's like a good friend at this point. (laughs) Is this a good deal? I need you to notarize. people that are like i'm gonna do like cash out my house and do and i'm like don't do that that's a really (laughs) bad idea that's a big risk (laughs) just like yeah you're part therapist too but yeah i mean i do most stuff i just my biggest goal is to keep people out of litigation i don't litigate i have been involved in litigation personally and i think that it is not it's not helpful for anyone. The only people that win are really the attorneys and everyone kind of loses and it's, it's just never worth it. So I, that's kind of the approach I always take is like, Hey, let's slow down. And like, how can we just mediate this, talk to each other and settle it so that everyone can go about their day. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's how I get clients. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. You just start doing everything that you can that is free and talking to all the people you can. Yeah. And then just starts to build. It really is a time thing as well. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, that was kind of the end of our questions. Was there anything that we didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? Um, I guess the fact that like I do have like a gear towards more LGBT law with yeah. state planning and then the mar- the marketing obviously and LGBT networking and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with the pro bono work within the LGBT community and then estate planning. Um, I did a webinar for one of the legal insurances about the benefits or not the benefits, but the different angles as someone who's LGBT and how to plan for your estate. Yeah. And kind of become my niche, I feel like. Yeah, because it, I mean, I would imagine it can get complicated. Cause like, for example, my husband's parents are not cool with it. Mine are all on board, no problems. That was one of the driving factors of us getting married was like, you know, if something happens to him, they could shut me out, you know? Especially exactly. like if he was like in the hospital and stuff like that. Like that was one of my biggest fears. And like we obviously love each other and wanted to get married anyway, but we we wanted that security so i could imagine that you know estate planning and that stuff gets complicated if families are involved that aren't cool with it exactly and that's the other thing too is like even though they've codified gay marriage Mm -hmm. i expect to probably lose it state by state at some point in the near future yeah you know you're the i just don't see what's gonna stop because what happens is the people on the ground the hospital's will say, you know, you can't see him because we're not going to recognize the marriage. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, even if they legally have to, it's going to have to go through the court, which takes years. And so I like to create the protections that people have. You know what I mean? In place that say like, no, he has a HIPAA release form. And I'm his husband. I'm designated. You know, I'm his designated caretaker, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Then- so if someone has, if someone like gets with you and creates these legal plans or documents even if the marriage dissolves because the rights are taken away the legal documents still stand yes okay and, and i don't think about that good to know Whoa. the legal document should still stand i mean we haven't been in that situation yet right unless oh. yeah there's like some article small small print something to that nature <laughs> Yeah, and we're yeah we're seeing in, well, and I I think we probably have more more protection in Texas with this sort of planning because we're so contract heavy. Mm-hmm. We love private contracts, so you know, and I don't see how they can negate a private you know contract that says you know this is an executed visitation form, and so, yeah. and like the other thing too that I help people with is um you know, I'll have like clients that are trans and their families don't agree and I'll write up a um, funeral directive, you know, ensuring like the different name and the gender identity and things of that sort. But yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen. We're kind of seeing the beginning with abortion. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I think lawyers in general are pretty scared. Mm. As soon as they picked up Roe v. Wade, I was like, I'm going to start packing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it is really scary, but I think, I do think you're right. There is something to be said about the private contracts because that, um, can't be quite so sweeping, hopefully. Exactly. And so we don't know like the strength of it, but it's like, why not have more protections? Yeah. If it's like, we still have it in Texas and then you guys are traveling through Alabama and you get into an accident, you know what I mean? And maybe yeah. Alabama, it. I mean, it's so complicated with the state by state. And now we're going, we're going back to state rights. That's what's happening with like abortion. Yeah. What happened with gay marriage? I mean, yeah. in Texas, um, it's in the constitution that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Mm, I we have a constitutional ban on gay marriage. So mm. if we lose it federally, you know, that's going to be the first thing that's going to happen. I think, I mean, yeah. we don't really know. We haven't been in this position really before but yeah it's interesting to watch but lawyers in general are not hopeful at least I'm not yeah I yeah. mean we've kind of had to get realistic with it like, like yeah. every, you know since 2016 basically we're like okay now back to you know plan c you know at this point so yeah, yeah. and I mean with the supreme court the way it is I mean overturning Roe v Wade I mean, gay marriage, I think, was passed in 2014 um, mm -hmm. by the Supreme Court, I believe, 2014, yeah. 2015. Like, I'm getting my dates all wrong. But it's like that so recent. And, you know, we had Roe v. Wade for 50 years. And right, right. the court only hears 80 cases a year, or roughly, and they get to decide the cases. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they even picked it up, they wouldn't, they would never touch it. No judge wanted to touch that. And yeah. the fact that picked it up I knew it was going to get overturned because why would they even pick a case up so yeah it's scary so we'll we'll see what happens but I think that gay and trans people need as much protection as they possibly can have at this point yeah, yeah. sorry to bum you guys no, out no no it's good to like <laughs> No, it's good to talk, have like real talk though, because I do think I worked in abortion care for um, a few years and I know when I was um, working in it, no one ever thought that would happen. I yeah. mean, it was, and I mean, I spent almost every day at the Texas Capitol and even seeing like how bad it is in Texas. It was like, no, but we'll, we'll always have Roe as, as the guiding light. And mm -hmm. so I feel like I have a lot of friends and family that even though they are, you know, pro-choice, they still don't know like the nuance and like, oh, even taking away Roe means more than just this. It, it affects so many other parts of healthcare. Um, yeah. So I feel like the same thing for it's, and it's like, that's just the starting point. And you know, all the red states just copy off each other and it's just, they just wait and it's just dominoes. So yeah. I, I think it's best to just talk real because I mean, my fear is like that people won't actually go out and vote. You know, we've seen it happen before and it's like, come on, like that's, we have to do that. So. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing too, is even with this, like with the abortion stuff, it's like people didn't think it was going to happen. But then when you're on the ground, you realize that there's, they'll just pass a crazy law mm -hmm. and to get the law knocked out takes two years. Yeah. And yeah, and like you said, it's like a ripple effect of all this other healthcare, and that's what we're seeing with the trans bills that have passed, like the anti-trans bills, is you know they stopped allowing healthcare to minors, and then I'm in the networks 
with lawyers and everyone's freaking out because now these trans kids don't have like mental health care. Right. The doctors are afraid to touch anything. Mm-hmm. Under the hospital, they're not allowed to give any support. So it's like, I mean, it's an absolute mess. Yeah. And just getting the government involved in healthcare and people's private lives in general is just an absolute mess. But, and I think, yeah, people don't think it's going to happen with gay marriage or anything, but it's like, they're already going after trans people. They're going after drag queens, like mm-hmm. expression, like obviously a anti-constitutional. It's like, I've been yeah. worried about it since 2016. So <laughs> yeah. Um, damn. Okay. Well, Amanda, I will be hitting you up. <laughs> For some estate planning. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you get paperwork in order. That is our takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, thank you for such thank a great guys. conversation yeah. tonight. And and where can people find you? HanlonLawPLC.com. I my Instagram is HanlonLaw, I think. I got locked out of it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Hamlin <laughs> underscore law underscore something else. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, and then also for real estate service, it's avapropertygroup.com. Okay. Yeah. So either one, if you need real estate or law or just anything, really, just reach out. And is that AVA property group? Cool. Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes. Um, yeah. And also in the show notes, can you put not legal advice, please? Just a disclaimer. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you got it. Spoken like a lawyer. We don't want anyone coming and say, I heard it on small business happy hour. <laughs> yeah, especially because like you get something wrong and then someone's like, Yeah. 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 I'm glad you said that for sure. We'll uh, see you for anything. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was amazing. Thank you for for your time, especially while you're in Mexico visiting your girlfriend. Yeah, eventually our plan is to have like a happy hour with our Austin guests. So, a real an in person happy hour. In person, yeah. Oh, like really? A, yeah, because yeah, we've interviewed a lot of different Austinites, and I think it'd be fun to just do like a you know a small business true yeah. happy hour somewhere. That would be, yeah, really that'd fun. be fun. And yeah. maybe people will like bring other entrepreneurs that we haven't met yet, so it can be like. Yeah. A- Thing. that would be really cool Austin's a, a good place for that too I feel like yeah. everyone's an entrepreneur or like a lot right. of yeah cool yeah. well I would definitely be interested in that let me know and thank you guys um, so much for having me on the podcast yeah I appreciate it I appreciate your time yeah, give, nice. your, give your floofy cat a big pet <laughs> I will thank you you guys give your cats little kisses too we will <laughs> Bye, Amanda. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks so much. Nice meeting you. You too. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulia7, also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek. And that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. 
and Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour, or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See, See you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday.